I ask you right now to think about what it must have been like to be Moses, what comes to mind? What an amazing thing to see a a burning bush and God speak through it. How sweet would it be to raise your arms and have the waters of the Red Sea part? Oh, to be the object of God's attention after you smashed his handwritten Ten Commandments on the ground. Those are great choices, of course. But I had something else in mind because of today's lesson. This is what I was thinking of from Numbers chapter 12. Now the man Moses was very humble, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That's in the book of Numbers. Let's see. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You know who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Moses. Moses wrote Numbers. Moses wrote, Now the man Moses was very humble, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now, if you don't know how desperately Moses tried to get out of being the leader of God's people and how he pointed out his own flaws, you might think Moses was the most arrogant man and not the most humble. I'm wondering how the humblest man felt about God making him write that. Did Moses argue Did he fight it? Did he secretly try to write something else and then the divine eraser came and took it out and he had to start over again? I imagine it was absolute torture for the truly humble Moses to have to write that he was the most humble man of all on the earth. Moses was the man that the Jews, especially the Pharisees, absolutely revered. Isn't it interesting then that these Pharisees that we encountered this morning had zero humility? They couldn't have been more opposite from their hero. Sadly, they didn't realize it. But a dinner invitation extended to Jesus gave them the opportunity to learn a lesson in humility, a hard truth. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Looking in on the dinner party gives us a a chance to learn a lesson, too. The lessons in humility today are those taught to the Pharisees, the one taught by looking at Christ, and the lessons that are given to you and me. The Pharisees, you may remember, were the super-religious not priests, but people who had great zeal for God's law, knowledgeable about it, meticulously followed it. They truly felt that they were better than other people, that they were special. And they put that passion and that devotion on display for everyone to see. So when a leader of the Pharisees the highest level follower of Moses and Scripture's laws invites you to dinner, 
it is a high honor. You might wonder how Jesus got an invitation to that dinner because they didn't like him, not even a little. What they were doing, they had done before. They were watching him. They wanted to see what he would do and hear what he would say and try to trap him in his words. But Jesus was watching them too. Jesus, true God, put himself there in the middle of people, people that some might call the worst of people because they made this big show of how holy they were, but, but the reality was that on the inside they were rotting with sin and they didn't even understand the law that they claimed to excel at. I mean, Jesus humbled himself even to be there and he also put them first by, by teaching them, to, trying to help them uh, put away their self-centered attitudes, their legalistic attitudes, their sins of pride, their lack of humility, their favoritism. Jesus wasn't simply looking to condemn them. He wanted them to realize that they weren't saved by what they do, and he wanted them to look to him as their savior from sin. On several occasions, Jesus spoke about the Pharisees' uh, desire to grab the very best seats at a table ahead of other people. And now, once again, Jesus watched as they quickly made their way to, to grabbing seats before anybody else could get them. The only humility in that room was found in the one who was taking this all in and telling them a story about a wedding banquet. If Jesus' mention of um, reclining to eat caught you out guard, off guard, it's helpful to know that the people of the time didn't sit on chairs at a table. They reclined on cushions at a very low table. And the, the best seat was the seat, <laughs> the place to recline, the best couch, uh, was at the far left end. Because then you could see everybody. The worst seat, of course, was at the other end where you kind of had to turn a little bit to see everyone else. And, of course, being seated near the host or other important people, uh, that was an honor. Jesus presented two possibilities. A person could take a prominent place, but they could be humbled by being asked to sit somewhere else. And they might even get the lowest seat if everybody else had taken theirs. Or a person could, in humility, take the lowest seat. It's possible that they would be invited to sit in a better seat, a more important seat. And that person would be honored in the eyes of everyone there. The other person would be looked at with shame for thinking that, that they were more important than they were. Jesus then shares a, a general truth, the point of the parable. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Genuine humility is respected by most people, and conceitedness and arrogance, not so much. But what's important is not, not what people think, but what God thinks. The Bible tells us this. 
God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And what Jesus said sounds very much like this from Proverbs. A person's arrogance will humble him, but a humble spirit will attain honor. The many times God talks about this humility tells you that it's important to him. He's looking for humility in his people. This was an awful hard truth for the religious elite. Jesus later told the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, which pointed out uh, the extent to which this pride could go. A person trying to justify themselves before God because of how good they are. That kind of self-exaltation, self-reliance for salvation leads right to the ultimate humiliation of hell. Jesus' other lesson was a direct command aimed at the host. He told him that they were not to cater to, literally, people from whom they could expect an invitation to dinner in return. His instruction was to, to seek out and to serve those from whom they could not expect an invitation back. Inviting those who could repay was so self-serving. But a different heart beats within the person who looks to provide for those who don't have the means to pay them back. That love for others, that kind of humble service, is what God is looking for. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did? He is as rich as rich gets because everything in heaven and on earth was created by him and for him. They are his. He is rich with power and perfection and wisdom and human beings are the exact opposite. Powerless before him. Imperfect with sin. Devoid of divine wisdom. And yet what did Jesus do? In humility, he put sinners first. But it's not just his willingness to, to break bread with sinners. It's not just his willingness to, and his patience to, to teach sinful people. Jesus put sinful human beings ahead of himself in a much bigger way. Looking at Jesus' life is a lesson in humility. At Christmas time, we celebrate true God coming into this world in the most humble way to humbly serve sinners. The actions of Jesus that, that play out on the pages of the Gospels show how he kept every word of the law with, with a perfect attitude before his Father with the goal of gifting sinners with that perfection. He put us first by doing that and enduring the ultimate humiliation suffering at the hands of sinners and, and being put to death on the cross. And then the one who humbled himself in the most extreme way was exalted as he rose from death. This is the strongest lesson to see how in humility Jesus put sinners first. You know there isn't a better lesson in humility and you love Jesus for it because with all of that, he was 
more than an example of humility, he actually paid for your sins with his humility. You and I are not better than the proud and legalistic Pharisees, and we know, we know that. And we humbly acknowledge that, that we need the forgiveness that Jesus earned and how grateful we are that he put us ahead of himself. And so you value the lessons from the words and the actions of Jesus, the things that those provide too, as sinners healed from the spiritual damage of sin, uh, those who are pulled close to our Savior, we then naturally want to be like Jesus. We want to do the things that our Savior wants us to do. And so we listen closely to an account like this. And we know it wasn't recorded just to make the Pharisees look bad because of their rudeness and, and their self-worship. It was put there because you and I need to learn the same lessons that they did. You know that this lesson is not strictly about chair choices when Jesus cuts to the chase. Yes, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And you know that this lesson for us is not merely about invitation lists when he talks about the motives of the heart and not expecting favors to be returned. God watches not only our actions, he, he watches our hearts. So he knows whether you truly love other people or if you have a false humility. And he sees and he is pleased when, when you have and you live this humility. From my pastor seat, I see this all the time. Some of you send cards and notes to other people to encourage those who need it, to celebrate with those who are blessed. You think nothing of giving up your time to serve God and, and to serve other people in the congregation. You do when you, you offer or you say yes to a request to, to serve, like on the ministry board or a team or as an usher, a greeter, an altar prep person, a technician, a host for fellowship, an artist, a singer, a musician, a caring friend, a pastor encourager, a Sunday school or youth leader, a parent who, who brings their children to church and to Sunday school, taking care of them spiritually along with taking care of them physically, husbands and wives who take care of each other. My list is getting long. <laughs> and this certainly isn't everything that I see. I can't read hearts, though. So I pray that you do these things with, with humble servant hearts. And I think that that's mostly true for you and me. But some, some may really be challenged with selfish pride like the Pharisees or the, the urge to kind of push and shove to get those respected positions or those highlighted positions or looking down on other people or looking for a favor to be returned when you do something. All of this at church or at home. 
at work or at school. Whether these are your particular struggles and challenges or not, it is impossible for any of us to keep that out of our hearts and our minds entirely. When it creeps in, as it invariably does, even in the most humble among us, we must repent and not let it take hold of us. A reminder of the forgiveness that we have from Jesus heals us and it humbles us. His perfection and his blood cleanse us and and make us righteous. It is the humble ones who are humble by faith in Jesus who will be exalted in the end. They will be honored at the resurrection of the righteous as they are welcomed into the great banquet of heaven and called to the highest place next to our Savior for all eternity. Amen.